Welcome to the First Right Podcast, your weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we're excited to have Ken Cuccinelli on our show. Ken is well known to conservatives across America. He was Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security under President Trump and was the former Virginia Attorney General who actively opposed the radical Obama agenda. Now, Ken is fighting to reform our broken election system through his affiliations with American Principles Project, Susan B. Anthony List, and Heritage Foundation. All right, good, Ken. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. So we're going to talk about HR1, S1. And uh, before we get into that, I wanted to run an ad real quick that uh, we are pushing out uh, across the country. Well, more specifically, uh, Nevada, Georgia, and New Hampshire. Uh, but uh, let's, let's run this ad real quick, and then we'll talk about uh, that whole uh, fiasco that they're trying to get through here. Americans expect their elections to have safeguards. Only then can we have confidence the results are fair and accurate. Incredibly, some in Congress want to strip away those critical safeguards. No more voter ID. Signature verification on absentee ballots virtually eliminated and effectively allowing non-citizens to vote. The list goes on. Every illegal vote cancels someone's legitimate vote, like yours. Tell your senators your vote matters. Tell them to vote no on Senate Bill 1. So, Ken, you've got this great background. You've done all kinds of stuff. Thankfully, right now, you're working on this portion, this election integrity piece in H.R. 1 S. 1. So why don't you talk us through where you think we stand right now with the chances of this actually, uh, you know, becoming law eventually? Well, of course, it came through the House. It flew through the House. They didn't even have hearings right. in the House, uh, which, which tells you uh, that they don't think it'll hold up to scrutiny. And I think they're right. Uh, we saw in the first Senate hearing um, not too long ago uh, a lot of well-aimed criticism coming from Republicans. You had witnesses uh, like West Virginia's Secretary of State coming in and pointing out that his Democrat clerks in his state we're telling him that it couldn't be implemented. That's just the mechanics. If it were implemented, it would gut uh, election security measures in most states. And as your ad showed, it illegalizes voter ID, something that across the board Americans agree is a common sense security step. Uh, it eliminates signature requirements. Uh, the combined with um, the voter ID requirements, you just are tearing down security across the country. And for 230 years, elections have been run by the states. And as somebody who is an attorney general and a state legislator, uh, I think it's a particularly terrible idea to impose Washington's one-size-fits-all. And I won't even call it a solution. You can't read this bill and think that they intend anything other than that there be more fraud in our elections. And you have to ask yourself, why do they think they'll benefit from that? I think the answer is obvious, but it's a, it's a dangerous direction for sure. Yeah, there's so much out there that people agree on in terms of right. what would give us more confidence in the vote, uh, voting system and the integrity of it. And this is the opposite of that. And so you're right, it's just the classic, well, gosh, why are you guys doing this? And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of stuff happen in 2020 that we got to go, okay, we don't need any of that to happen again. And they realize this is their opportunity. So they're going to go ahead and try to codify a bunch of this stuff and uh and you know continue on as, as we go forward just you know one time after we got this voter id you know 85 percent support voter id i mean you ask any american and 85 percent yep. of them are going to say 
yeah, that makes sense, you know. And so, but they want to do the exact opposite and and push it across the country. It's like they've collected up every bad practice, yeah, and they're mandating them all all over the country. That's right. And it's a it's a it'd be a really uh, undoing of confidence, which is already shaky. Right. in American elections, yeah. and it would be a real tragedy for this country if it passed. Thankfully, to your question, I think their prospects in the Senate are fairly low, but they're not so low that we don't need to fight. Um, and so that's what I'm spending my days doing. Yeah, well, thanks again for doing that. And you're absolutely right. We do have to fight. And, uh, you know, I'm just of the opinion now that if they are able to codify this, uh, you know, these things that they can put in here and then guarantee that they're able to do all kinds of nefarious stuff going forward, cheat in different ways. Right. I don't know. That may be the ball game because what's the point then if you if you can't keep them from doing what they're talking about doing, how are you going to win elections going forward? So that fight, you know, we you fought a lot of things for a lot of stuff over the years, uh, as have I. But this point we're at right now, it's super crucial, right? Yeah, and people ask, you know, uh, I'm, I'm leading a joint effort by the American Principles Project and Susan B. Anthony List, and people ask, you know, why is a pro-life organization, why is a social conservative organization weighing into this? And our members have the view you just described, Dan. They view this as a cornerstone of their ability to make the case for protecting life. We've been making decades of progress in the public debate and the public education, changing hearts and minds in favor of protecting life. Well, that only continues if the elections, you know, the direction of those decisions is cast, are fair, are uh, an even playing field, are accountable, are transparent, and that everybody has confidence that they're actually fair and transparent and secure and so forth. So there's, a, there's both getting it right and there's the appearance of getting it right. Both are important so that there's confidence in the system, not only that the system works well. Yeah, and I think what's happened over the years, kind of shame on us as conservatives, we've been more going from one election to the other saying, oh yeah, we know there are some irregularities right. and things like that, but we gotta keep moving. Uh, but the leftists have been just chipping away at the whole system constantly day in day out and i think what's ha what has to happen now going forward as conservatives we have to fight back every day all day or they're gonna you know or they're gonna take the whole thing and so i know that you you know you're dialed in on that so am i and i'm just this is my way of encouraging anybody that's watching or you know people that you're talking to we have got to be geared up for this thing or it's going to slip away from us so yeah yeah we really do and and with a 50 50 senate the filibuster is critical, and that means there's a, just a few senators. And, you know, interestingly, four years ago, um, actually four years ago this week, um, I want to say about half of the current Democratic senators signed a letter supporting the filibuster. Now, that was when they were in the minority, but that included Joe Manchin, John Tester. It included an awful lot of names you know, and Chuck Schumer supported the filibuster then. Uh, so, you know, if they want to go the other direction, um, as Mitch McConnell has said, there'll be future consequences. Uh, I would note that the Democrats have done this before, seven or eight years ago, when they reduced the filibuster on nominees. In their mind, just for these particular nominees, it was just ones they wanted at the time. The Republicans told them, if you do this, 
unless you breach the wall and the whole wall will come down. And sure enough, when Republicans took over, instead of just the Democrats' selective appointments not going through the filibuster, all appointments ceased going through the filibuster. And when Donald Trump made excellent conservative originalist selections for the Supreme Court, you saw the Democrats going crazy over their inability to use the filibuster to stall and block those nominees. So the Democrats have been down this road before, and you know I don't want to sound like a two-year-old, but they started it. <laughs> and Mitch McConnell basically took to the floor and said, don't start it again, mm-hmm. uh, because we will fight. Um, he described ways they can address the Senate now, no, abandoning unanimous consent and so forth. Uh, but in the future, uh, when Republicans get control again, they will do what happened last time the Democrats got rid of the filibuster. And for your viewers, the filibuster is an old, old Senate rule, older than we are, uh, that requires 60 votes in the Senate, so a supermajority, to end debate on legislation. Not budgets, not money spending, but on new laws. And that's what H.R. 1, S. 1 would be, would be a new law. And the purpose of it was to obtain a degree, at least, of consensus before imposing new laws on America. And that's consistent with the founders' vision for how the Senate would operate. The Senate was to be the cooling off body where the House of Representatives was expected to be hot and passionate. And that's the function the filibuster allows the Senate to perform. Yeah, it's the classic, be careful what you ask for. And yeah, uh, yeah we fixed the election system, gained some confidence, uh, cut off some of these avenues that they, uh, I think, the leftists have been cheating through. Uh, still a very center-right country, in my opinion. A lot, a lot of people voted for President Trump. Right. And uh, this all flips around, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for a permanent conservative majority that leads and actually does stuff. So, you know, I am with you 100% on the way the system should work and the Senate and all that stuff. Right. But the Democrats need to be careful what they ask for on this uh, because it yeah. could come back to bite them for sure. Absolutely true. So, um, so I don't know if you saw you you probably read about the you know Georgia legislation signed by Governor yeah. Kemp. Uh, so, what's your opinion of that? Do you think that's a pretty strong law? It is a good law, and what's what's been interesting is. Um, even the Washington Post, kind of a, you know it's bad when, even the Washington Post gave Joe Biden four Pinocchios on their lie test, their fact check, when he was saying that this was uh, reducing, suppressing voting opportunities. In Georgia, what's been interesting is you're seeing rather nakedly that the left's rhetoric, which is just a smear campaign, doesn't match the facts. Right. And even the Washington Post has acknowledged that, yes, Georgia secured their elections much better than they had in the past, but they also added additional voting uh, prior to election day. So it's really election month um, in Georgia. And uh, so they actually expanded voting opportunities. They didn't shrink them uh, for legal voters, of course, but they put in place uh, various protections to ensure that the votes that are cast are legitimate votes, are counted cleanly, um, and that election officials are performing their duties well and properly. Otherwise, they can be removed. So they added security 
They added additional voting days. They definitely fit the moniker we say all the time, easy to vote, hard to cheat. And that's what the Georgia legislation accomplished. Yeah, that's great stuff. And so other states, are you confident there's Republicans out there that are going to step up to the plate, uh, you know, undo a lot of the damage that we've seen done in different states across the country to their election systems? Are you confident in that? Yes, I am. There's no question that COVID was used and abused in the election uh, process to loosen things up to an incredible degree, um, a damaging degree, really. You noted the, the voter ID statistic you put up there. Well, you don't get to 85% if you don't have agreement among Republicans, Democrats, you know, independents, libertarians, vegetarians. Everybody has to be on board for that. And when you talk about the elements of what it takes to run a good election, one piece at a time, voter identification, signature verification, observers at the polls, the ability to audit elections. When you just talk about those elements, Americans overwhelmingly agree and are supportive of including those secure elements to, uh, to make sure they have an, a certifiable and, conf and confident, accurate outcome to their election. It's when it breaks down into, well, the Democrats want this and the Republicans want that. That actually reduces the support for the specific provisions in question. Uh, when we again when we deal with this just on the face of it on the merits of each question the american people have common sense as ronald reagan used to say the wisdom of america resides with americans not in its institutions thankfully Absolutely. what is it going to take to instill confidence back in right. people and that is you're right it's it's not it's not party centric at all we have another graphic up here too you talk about different things that uh that are happening across the country look at that 2020 California presidential ballot rejection rate, 0.6. Now we're at the recall, 18.3%. You know, <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Are there two different systems going on over there? You know, it's like, how can anybody look at that and think, oh, confident. I'm confident that's working, you know? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're only months apart. It isn't even like that's even a year apart. Right, right. You know, I know. Talking about three-month difference. Yeah, uh, two different worlds. So, you know, this is this other side you mentioned already, but, uh, you know, this demagogue, this demagoguery that's going on of Democrats against Republicans, no matter what you do, you know, all suppressing racist, all one thing after another. Do you think, uh, you know, writ large, is that is that being bought into or, you know, how's how's the general pub public reacting to that? And then. You know, how, what's your opinion of how Republicans need to talk about this issue? Because you're talking about a lot right now. I am. And, uh, you know, I do not think that the smear approach is gaining traction. It's very popular with the media and the Democrats, but I double speak there. And um, and they're pounding away on, on corporations to re repeat the same mantra, which isn't true. I mean, we, we all, you know, maybe if you took a high school logic class, you'd remember that the, when someone just uses the ad hominem attack, the personal attack, it tells you that they know they can't win on the substance, on the merits. And that's what we're facing here. Truth is our friend. And we need to be the friend of truth as well. And that means we need to share it with fellow Americans. That doesn't mean their lies won't take hold. They have in the past. 
Um, was it Goebbels who said, uh, you know, a lie once is a lie, a lie a thousand times is the truth. Um, and they're going to keep repeating it over and over and over. And we need to identify those opportunities, like when Joe Biden says that expanding the days of voting is actually reducing voting opportunities. We need to call them out on that specifically and in a high profile. And uh, we, we're doing that every day at the Election Transparency Initiative. Uh, I'm doing that on local radio stations in these key states uh, all over the country. I spend a good chunk of my days on those interviews. Um, and uh, as well, we're making the case at the national level. And I know you all are running ads. We're doing digital and, and radio ads as well. And there are other groups uh, that are engaged across the board because, as you mentioned earlier, there are a lot of people that realize this is a cornerstone of everything else we do. This is an existential threat. I'm talking about HR1 and S1. To blow the doors off the fraud opportunities of our elections. And then it really becomes Banana Republic style elections. And we can't let that happen to America. No, we can't. It's a real uh, pivotal point we're at. And I think the messaging that you know, you're know you getting to, and we talk about it a lot uh, around here, is just that whole, how do we get back to the confidence that people need? Right. And I think that if we lead with that and say, here's where it's at now, this is what we want to do, and this is how you get confidence back in the system, I think most Americans would say, yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense to me because it's not something that they think about day in and day out. And suddenly it's all, you know, it's in everybody's face. But, you know, it's guys like you and what we're doing here, too, that you got to we got to help conservatives and people in the middle, too, that yeah, they want to talk about yeah. it, too, and get their head around it. And I think it, it does come down to that confidence piece. We have to do that. So good. So good stuff there. So. Um, I'd be remiss not talking about immigration with you on the show. You got deep experience, right? So, uh, wow. so you know, let's talk about what, what's the what's the real story on the border? You know, how how's well, this whole it, how, how's it how's it going to end? That's what I'm wondering as I watch this. You know, well, I'm not sure. You know, you and I look down there at that news and we say, "Gosh, this is a real mess." But what we see as a bug, I think they see as a feature. Yeah. We just talked about voting. We didn't talk about how the S-1 would uh, effectively sweep in illegal aliens who get state services onto the voter rolls automatically. And people say, oh, they wouldn't sign them up. Really? Well, there's it becomes a federal felony in this bill for any state official to interfere with signing them up. So what state a government employee is going to put their but on the line for a felony that's clearly, you know, purely political. Right. But when that's who has power, are you going to risk a federal felony just to keep the voter rolls clean if you're over there issuing driver's licenses to illegals because that's right. what your state does or fill in the blank? So, so let's circle back to the border. They want those hundreds of thousands of people coming across the border because they view them as future voters. Right. And it isn't a coincidence that right after putting H.R. 1 through, the House of Representatives was pushing two, not one, but two amnesty bills through. Uh, this is a part of a broader plan to uh, expand the voter base in ways that ignore the law um, and disrespect our history of being a rule, uh, a, a nation that is based on the rule of law. Uh, and moving in a completely different direction. These things are not independent of one another. And what they're doing at the border 
where they, and we've now seen the pictures of children piled like cordwood in a pandemic, mind you. Can you yeah. imagine if those pictures had happened when I was the deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security? People right. would be going berserk, right. berserk. Well, where are they now? Crickets. Mm -hmm. It's so quiet in Congress. The media has no complaints. Uh, you know, instead of the same places now being cages like they were under Trump, purchased by Obama, now they're reception centers. Right. It's really quite luxurious, it sounds like. Yeah, well, you know, you talk that, that talk about what the leftists and the media, you know, and you said earlier, it's the same thing, right? So if, if they're fine with this, they're getting what they want, I think it just further clarifies where we stand as conservatives and what we have to do. And this fight we talked about earlier, you know, I, I do feel like at times when I look around at what's going on, it is the rules for radicals, the Solinsky, you know, overwhelm, oh, every, yeah. overwhelm every system, right? And yep. uh, and it's all connected. And then, yep. you know, right up there with Solinsky, you got Rahm Emanuel, right? They didn't let the COVID crisis go to Don't waste. let a crisis you know? go to So waste. it's like, right. you know, we just have to quit trying to believe that, oh, it'll be fine. They, their intentions really aren't that bad, you know? I mean, it is bad. It's horrible, and we have got to do something about it. And uh, hey, I really appreciate all you're doing, and I uh, uh, love those guys at APP and Susan B. Anthony. And so it, it's there's a lot of good stuff going on, you know, uh, a lot of things behind the scenes too, making some stuff happen. So uh, more to come on that as we get closer to uh, you know getting things out there. Uh, but you know we can't stop fighting, and I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, thanks for coming on today, and love to have you back. Love to do it. Have a great Easter, and we, you know, we got two weeks before the uh, before the vote in committee on S one, so we're going to be working those two weeks, and then the floor after that. So yeah. we're going to stay busy here. Absolutely, good stuff. All right, thanks, Ken. Have a good one. You too. Well, all right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next time. Let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash firstright or text firstright to 1-312-820-9167.